0: You are In the Ring with Hector Calone, seven-time national boxing champion turned nonprofit president and CEO. Hector knocks out the big issues facing social services today with high-impact leaders from around the U.S. In the Ring is a creation of Lutheran Social Services of Wisconsin and Upper Michigan and is produced by No Studios. And now, here's Hector Galon. Hello, 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 and welcome to In the Ring with Hector Colon, the show that gets real about the challenges facing the social services sector and the people we serve. Here's the bottom line pay is not commensurate to the value our colleagues provide society. Programs and policies are not advancing quick enough in order to address the true needs of the people we serve. And the financial viability of our sector is in jeopardy. It's not a fair fight. That's why this year we're going to take on these issues with people at the center of these challenges, true champions who are willing to get into the ring with me. Thank you to our guests and our new In the Ring uh, podcast sponsor, M3. Uh, Your investment in these important conversations can and will help create healthy communities right here in Wisconsin and really all across the country. You will learn more about this great organization later on in the program. But first, as my coach Shorty used to say, let's go, champ. In the ring with me today is Mike Vickerson and Chris Kenyon. I'm going to give a formal introduction to them, and then I'll share some uh, other words uh, based on my personal friendships and relationships with each of them. Mike serves as the CEO of M3, a leading national insurance broker, risk manager firm, providing world-class resources for the industries they serve. Mike grew in the agency from the ground up and is now responsible for the strategic direction and vision of its seven Midwest branches, branches serving nine major industries, including healthcare, education, and government. M3 Elevate is one of the new innovations that focuses on strengthening communities by supporting the small businesses within them through growth and protection strategies that are individualized and affordable you know, Mike, is just an absolute champion. You are a champion uh, for your organization. You are a champion uh, for your industry. And you are also a true champion for the colleagues uh, that you work with at M3. And I have experienced that firsthand. So I want to thank you, my friend, for all that you do uh, and how you inspire others to be a champion. Wow.
1: I appreciate that. Thank you, Hector.
0: Thank you so much. And Chris Kenyon uh, is a partner at M3, and she serves as the managing director of another major industry focus, uh, senior living and social services practice. Chris is a subject matter expert, strategist, and thought leader. She knows the trends and issues specifically to the industry, and she works with organizations to develop innovative strategies that impact employees and the clients they serve, and so, Chris, I just want to share a little bit about you. You know, Chris is an absolutely outstanding friend, partner. Uh, we do business uh, with M3, and we don't view M3 as a vendor. We view you as a partner, as a friend. And Chris Kenyon is always coming to us with new ideas that are outside of the business relationship, but ideas that could help us and our organization thrive and so for that, we are so thankful to have you as a friend and partner uh, at LSS.
2: Thank you so much. I I love working with LSS, and it's a great organization that's doing fun and exciting things, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Thank, you, thank you so you.
0: much. Are you ready for round one?
2: Ready. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> This is going to be fun. I'm, I'm <laughs> with two eyes. <power laughs> <houses. laughs> We're ready. <laughs> okay. So
0: round one, uh, we're gonna talk about the war for talent. What are you seeing uh, across different industries, uh, specifically in the markets that you are serving?
1: Yeah, we we have an interesting lens, I think, a, a, a good perspective on the challenges that businesses are facing right now, Hector. And you know, to, to, to use even your podcast, uh, people are in the ring in a way uh, it, that I don't think they've ever been prepared for before. Uh, When you think of the number of uh, generations that are in the workforce, the expectations that they bring to the table, and now the amount of drift and shift for people within their careers, trying different industries, uh, wanting to balance working from home with working from maybe an office or marketplace setting. Uh, We're just watching many customers in many different industries struggle to redefine what does it mean to work at their place of employment. And so they're having to get creative. Uh, they're having to get, uh, sometimes, uh, firm about what it takes for their business to run and there's no roadmap. Uh, we're in a new place. And so, uh, it has some people thriving, but also a lot of people concerned, uh, about whether or not they can adapt quickly enough to continue to attract and keep the best talent.
0: What do we need to do to adapt more quickly as businesses and maybe share some of the things that you're doing? Mm
1: -hmm. I think we need to listen, uh, ask great questions of the people that work with and for us and i think we have to be uh experimenters we have to experiment with how we structure roles Um, one specific example that we're seeing in a few industries is that uh, people are taking and breaking down historically full-time positions and trying to staff them with two or three part-time positions in order to not just have access to great and experienced talent but to give their workforce the type of flexibility that they're now asking for um I think the other thing that I would bring up quickly is uh, we're watching businesses even rethink, should I be continuing to do this type of work at all and reimagining uh either uh, not using uh, human labor, maybe it's technology services or robotics, or if they still are having uh people on in their employ asking uh, them to do different things than they've ever done before.
2: I think one of the things, too, Vic, that you look at is um, if you're going to move fast, we can't always wait for the leader, and we need that leading from the middle. And I see that being a really powerful um, concept. And can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that mm-hmm. is something that we really watching in, in the social services and the senior living
1: yeah, we're seeing it in manufacturing, healthcare, social services, senior living organizations. We we coined and stole that idea from uh, Wharton Business School a few years ago, and it simply means how do you push as much decision making and in this case maybe about how you structure work and how flexible work is and who you recruit to your uh, business as close to the customer as possible. That typically people in a more bureaucratic setting or a senior position aren't as close enough to the customer. To make decisions quickly enough and to experiment enough with uh, you know, in essence, building the best team.
0: You know, and I've experienced this firsthand and just uh being on your board and now yeah, you're one of my bosses. Yes, <laughs> yes. And just seeing you in action and how the organization operates. And when you work with those from the from the bottom up, that's really about servant leadership. And and I see you as a great servant leader. Thank you. Uh, so thank you for all the that you do within your organization, how you inspire others uh, to bring the, them their best selves and also their ideas. How widely prevalent are CEOs and leaders part of this great resignation?
1: You know, if I, if I take senior leadership, let's say, as, as a whole, we are actually seeing quite a bit of senior leadership uh, choose to depart. Um, we're experiencing it. In uh, healthcare organizations, I know Chris has a huge proximity there with, and also with senior living organizations. In the public school system, uh, the turn in superintendents and principals and people deciding to leave the profession is at historic rates. Um, family businesses are turning over more quickly to next generation. Uh, and so the, the the lasting impacts of uh, maybe – COVID might be this great reframing for people of what is work, what do I want to do, when do I want to do it, how often, Uh, and then in in this case, uh, should I continue? And so we are absolutely seeing uh, quite a bit of churn even at the top. Uh, of organizations. Wouldn't you agree, Chris?
2: Oh, yeah. No, the CEOs and CFOs and COOs. Um, we had one person on my team who went on on maternity leave. And, and when she came back, I had to tell her all the organizations mm. that the leadership that she had worked with were Changed. no longer there. Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing, though, I'm just starting to see it. Um, but people that are reengaging with the workforce, um, mm. those people in their 40s and 50s who resigned or, or retired early, are have taken a little bit of a break and now they're they're coming back. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I just you know it's fascinating to listen to their stories. But they have a renewed sense of inspiration, but also new priorities. And mm-hmm. uh, you know and these aren't people with young children either, so it's it's not that. But they do want like work life balance, just like our, our younger people who are raising families.
0: And I think now more than ever, and you have this in 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 your blood and in your cultures. We have to treat our employees so well, mm-hmm. um, you know, appreciate them, recognize them, pay them, uh, commensurate to the value they provide and, and engage them in the strategic direction of the organization so that they feel part of something larger than that job. And I know that you guys do that very well. And I think that's something that I'd like to highlight of is something really important to make sure we can retain uh, our, our workforce.
1: Yeah, something that we spend a bit of time on and and are trying to even counsel some of our clients on because, you know, being in the work that we're in, we're constantly talking to people about their workforce and how do they Mm -hmm. engage them is uh, how do you help people fall in love with your industry and fall in love with your culture? Mm -hmm. Um, If you you unpack the business that most people are in, uh, you absolutely can find a calling that's bigger than yourself. You Mm -hmm. can find a team that you can be connected to where you can be sacrificial Mm -hmm. and you can be connected to work that on your own you can't do. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'll use your phrase now more than ever, I think businesses and organizations have to engage their workforce in the work that they do so that they can fall in love with that business and then simultaneously fall in love with the culture of that organization that helps deliver that. Mm -hmm. I mean, think about your organization and who you, who you reach and who you touch, Mm -hmm. um, Somebody new to LSS might need a little bit of that from one of your leaders, maybe someone from the middle of your organization, not necessarily you. But when businesses engage in that, look out.
0: Yes. Look out. out. (laughs) They're
1: going to start knocking
0: it out. Yes. Thank you so much. So this completes round one. In round two, we're going to talk about corporate responsibility. But first, a word from our sponsor.
1: Supporting your employees is more than a paycheck and 401k. It's just a fact. People today are at a higher risk of experiencing mental illness, housing insecurity, and substance abuse. Do you know the health of your employees, your communities? How can you step up your benefits to better address their well being? M3 Insurance helps businesses see beyond basic benefits and support employees where they live. It's a meet them where they are approach that LSS delivers to their clients every day. M3 and LSS offer real solutions to now commonplace realities that strengthen employees and inspire communities to thrive. Test your employee benefit strategy now by going to m3ins.com.
0: All right. You ready for round two? Ready. We got it. Corporate responsibility. So, what is the responsibility of corporations to our community? And tell us a little bit about what M3s has done in terms of their giving back to the community.
1: Whew. I, you know, we're we're completely sold out on. I don't care what, from our perspective, industry you're in or business that you're in. Wherever you are conducting that business, you have a massive responsibility to the community that you're in. You, we take so many withdrawals, um, whether it's natural resources, people um, that we have to give back. And the, the, the thing that, that we've done is we've tried to engage each of our seven offices in their individual locations, in addition to having a global strategy as a business uh, that identifies both time and money that we want to invest back into the industries that we serve and the communities that we're a part of so that we can be a builder. Like we literally view ourselves as having the responsibility to build up the community uh, and, and take an active active role. Chris, I don't know about you. I think you also see how it's connected to workforce and what people
2: are expecting. You, you know, when you think about it, we're, we're a for-profit organization. And so how do you get people attached to the mission? It's getting in there and doing what they want to within their communities, whether it's Habitat for Humanity, helping people build, volunteering for a day. Um, You know, there's, you know, when you think about, we want to build our teams because people are working from home. And what are some activities that we can do? We can actually volunteer together as a team. Mm -hmm. It builds, um, it, it helps support the relationships that we need to work better as a team. Um, and they really enjoy showing up um, for these items, but it's, it's, you're right. It's serving your community. Certainly.
0: That's interesting. A point about how, you know, we're in our houses, we're on zoom and um, you know, we aren't together as much as we were, you know, pre no. uh, COVID. So finding these opportunities to volunteer is a way to getting people together. I, I like that a lot. You know, the next question I have is, so how can uh, corporations make more of an impact on some of the big issues facing our community, things such as severe uh, persistent mental illness, homelessness, and joblessness, those, those factors that are really impacting our communities and the individuals within our communities in a, in a significant way?
1: So I think it starts with uh, taking a very active interest in the community that you're a part of to find out the, the status of the issues you just described, Hector, and then having enough uh, bandwidth and energy to go about researching the best way to help, and help with that work. Um, I think one of the things that can happen often to businesses, and sometimes in our history it's happened to us, You can get very busy pursuing whatever vocation that you're in or whatever uh, industry that you're in. And uh, while serving and building the community can be a big part of who you are, it doesn't necessarily get enough time. And I I, I do believe in this present day that leadership has to devote significant time getting to know the issues facing a community so that they can address the types of things that you just mentioned.
2: I think the other piece is that you two are um – are accustomed to giving. Not everyone is. And, and, and how do we teach them that that's important? And Mm -hmm. that's what I've watched at M3, Mike, with your leadership, is there's some people that never even thought of that Mm -hmm. as a responsibility. And, you know, so that giving, and, and, you know, I think, um, particularly those, you know, who've gone to church or, and, and, or, you know, had their parents or whomever demonstrate that giving, um, we 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 forget that not everyone's seen that, and mm-hmm. so at your organization, how do you demonstrate it? I think that's that's what I've watched and one, people coming in right out of college and watch what we do and how we do it. So You're taking that for granted. Yeah,
1: and you you just triggered something. Real quick add on, Hector. I know I don't want to be efficient here, but I think something that's real practical for businesses to think about is uh, when they do make a decision to uh, help with what's going on with mental illness or social determinants of health or There may be real critical D, E, and I initiatives happening in your community you want to help out with or uh, homelessness types issues. When you decide to uh, participate in trying to build and, and be as part of the solution, how do you engage the rest of your workforce and bring them along with you? Because I think historically, potentially what's happened is leadership in those situations maybe has written a check or they've shown up at a dinner and the rest of their organization didn't get a chance to participate. And I think now part of doing all of this work and being socially responsible isn't just doing that work at a leadership level. It's finding a way to weave in the rest of your organization.
0: Love it. Uh, that's that's awesome. And and the need is great. So we need more than just leaders within uh, mm-hmm. organizations to be involved in making the difference in the lives of others. So I, I like that a lot. And and it's also a way for them to really be engaged. Um,
2: well, you you. you um, so on, on our team, we have 24 people, that's 24 different potentially communities right. and so many more opportunities. But I think the number one starts with education. Mm. Do you remember this years ago? And that's when I thought, I don't know what's going illiteracy in mm. Dane County. Mm. Never thought that was an issue. Yeah, and then wow. we brought it back to our individual teams and everyone gave where they could. And it was some gave money, some gave time. Some gave, you know, and we all got mm-hmm. to give in different ways. But then you think about, you know, 15 years later and where those individuals are and how they've grown through the organization in what they're giving and how they're giving. Great that's really, really yeah. cool.
0: You know, that's a great point. Um, and you talked a little bit about this earlier is when we're in these communities, how can we go in there and listen and understand the needs and 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 challenges that they have and One thing we'll realize is that there are different challenges uh, in different communities all across the state, but they're also very similar. So like you said, you might not expect in in Madison to illiteracy would be a challenge, but it is. And you wouldn't know that unless you engage people with the community, you listen, you have those conversations uh, to be able to to understand that, but then now participate and try to see how you can help.
1: Well, quick story even about you, uh, Hector and LSS. Mm -hmm. You know, when you joined our board and we just started to talk about your organization, one of the Mm -hmm. things that you quickly educated me about is the type of work that you do and that you will be continuing to do in school settings Mm -hmm. for uh, mental health-related issues Mm -hmm. and how equipped your organization is to do that and potentially even scale it. Mm -hmm. Our school systems, are facing this issue at, at a level that they'd never have before. Mm-hmm. Um, from administration to educators, to staff, to students, uh, maybe even parents, depending on where they're coming from. And, you know, if, if we didn't have that conversation and I didn't get a chance to listen to the, not just the mission of LSS, yeah. but what you're doing, mm-hmm. I would never have known. Mm-hmm. And so since then, we've been able to talk about that in different areas of the state about how you could be a local partner.
0: Thank you so much. And and just a, a little bit about our School Center Mental Health Program. This is a wonderful program because it's early intervention, it's prevention, it's holistic, and that doesn't just uh, address the needs of the child, but also that parent looks at the broader social determinants of health, housing, food, job, training, transportation, medical. It really looks at all of that. But then it also doesn't stop there. It, it supports the teacher because now a teacher is stressed. He or she is overwhelmed, and they also need some su- tools and support to make sure they can do the best job they can uh, for, for that child. So uh, thank you for bringing that up, and also thank you for just your partnership in general uh, with LSS. So that completes round two. In round three, Mike and Chris are going to help our listeners better understand how social determinants of health can improve health and well-being and decrease healthcare costs. Okay, Mike and Chris, are you ready for round three?
1: You got it. <laughs> We're ready. Just held off.
0: Come on now. So round three. Uh, social determinants of health. Uh, first, I'll, I'll share a little bit about uh, what social determinants of health uh, really means. You know, if you look at the liter- uh, the literature and the research, it really says that individuals, well, you have to involve the full social determinants of health to improve the health and well-being of those in the community. And some of the elements of social determinants of health include housing. So does someone live in a nice house? Uh, is it affordable? in a nice neighborhood, food, is you know, is the person uh, eating breakfast, lunch and dinner, and is it healthy? You know, do they have a, a doctor, uh, transportation to get to that doctor, uh, a good job or training that'll lead to more financial viability uh, within that household. So, so those are some of the examples of what are involved in the broader uh, social determinants of health. So my first question, In what ways is M3 working uh, with organizations to support efforts to improve health and well being through the social determinants of health?
2: Well, I think, you know, when you think about it, we we uh, sell and service employers on their employee benefits. And it used to be the health insurance, your 401k and the wages that you paid. That was your responsibility as an employer. Uh, when, you, when you start thinking about the social determinants of health, not all employees are treated the same. Some have other issues. And we can't rely just on the wages, the 401k or the pension and, uh, health insurance and vacation to, to support your employees. I also think that, um, when you understand your employee and when you understand your employees and what is, what is in their way, you know, can they get to work? Um, do they have even housing? Um, are they, you know, are they homeless? Um, you know, and, and obviously that doesn't impl- apply to necessarily M3, but the, the people that we serve, it certainly does. Um, when you think about it in senior living or social, or social services, only 30 to 40 percent of their employees are taking the health insurance um, compared to the general industry where that number is at minimum 80 percent, if not over 90 percent. So they're not valuing your health insurance. Um, the 401k or, or pension, they are, they're not thinking long-term on those things. So, so what, what are your employees struggling with? Um, you know, is it food, access to good quality food? Um, there's some really cool, um, there's some concepts that we're helping employers administer. There's a, a benefit card now where the employee could choose, you know, to have, help them support with transportation. Um, how about childcare, and you know the subsidies that we do from a government that isn't that isn't necessarily helping the lower income people.
1: Yeah, I think I think Hector, the only thing I would want to jump in and add here that is a, a, a an imperative for businesses is how they spend time with their management team and and train them up on how to both uh, coach and come alongside the people that work uh, for them and also uh, how they can spot potentially signs that someone's struggling with a social determinant of health Um, because it's a it's a skill set that may not come naturally to leaders in an organization and I think responsible companies are taking this issue up more and more and more so that their team can coach love on people connect them to resources and even be able to spot it
2: you know, prior to the pandemic, when we would have this conversation, employers would say, Uh-uh-uh. our HR department, this is what we administer. Our supervisors, this is what they know. They yeah, know different. their job. And um, I think that they're finally understanding they have to, uh, you know, approach their employees and understand what are their, you know, their, their constraints, you know, what is going on in their home life and, and not just what's happening at work.
0: You know, I really love this. And I think there are some historical barriers that um, don't, there's this assumption that we don't have the flexibility to do some of these things. So I like the fact where you said, you know, 401k, not everybody uh, might need that right now or want that right now. They might need actual food or, or transportation. And that's what they need to make sure that they can live their best selves and bring their best selves to work. So that creative thinking of, of, of li- and listening what do they need on an individual basis? You know, recently we had a conversation within the organization. You know, some people are have left the organization because they're and they're going to other businesses, many of them uh, for profit, and they don't offer health insurance, but they pay higher on an hourly wage. And I know that HR in the past, and we need to revisit this, but uh, we wanted to explore... Uh, that option so some people don't necessarily uh, have if they don't want insurance they don't get it but then they can get higher wages but there are challenges with that in our organization from hr legal perspective equity issues Um, so we're, we're trying to wrestle through that, but I would love to have more flexibility. If somebody doesn't want insurance, let's pay them better.
2: Yeah. I think though, I I would first, you know, I do think health insurance is, and not just because we sell it, but you know, you're overall paying for your health. I mean, that is something we need to make sure that is covered, whether it's, you know, so, um, and, and so that's where I would start. But then it doesn't have to be the end of the conversation. And I, I think that the other piece is when you think about your compensation package, you know, to it, it, what serves one won't serve another. Um, if, you know, you have a husband who's working and yet you can't put food on the table, he might have the health insurance, you might need something different or or vice versa. Um, so I, I, I don't think it's that. The health insurance still needs to be a big part. So Mm -hmm. when I was saying... It just isn't the only thing. Right. And I also think, particularly in, 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 in social services and in senior living, you know, where we're restricted on how much you know, we can give by the government you know, reimbursement rates, mm-hmm. they aren't going up high enough, right? So, but, but that in itself, paying people more isn't gonna solve our problem either. We have to figure out how do we be more efficient with the money that we have and what do they need? And so I, I think I'm gonna go back to not everybody's the same, and uh, how do we become more flexible mm. in the benefits? Yeah, I
1: think Hector, you you, you brought up some real logical constraints mm. that human resources departments and others find. You know, because there are things that you have to do legally and consistently, right. and pay attention to equity, et cetera. Mm. And at the same time, uh, you know, one of the things that we're seeing people do, and uh, I think your team does it as well, is you know actively survey the people that work. As an example, at LSS, survey the people at Fill in the blank business to find out uh, needs that they have, because we also, I think, are, are seeing businesses become even more creative about how they connect people to resources in the community, especially if they've got people on their payroll that might, you know, be within a few uh, hundred percentile of the federal poverty line, um, because some of our industries mm-hmm. and some of our businesses still have people that might be compensated at. 200 or 300 or 400 percent of the of the poverty line mm-hmm. and if we have those folks they could be struggling with social determinants of health and it's it's our job i think as businesses to help get creative and connect them also to resources even outside of our benefit programs in the community
2: exactly exactly mm-hmm. there's a r- really great united way resources there's, for sure yep great again
0: listening, listening understanding the needs and and learning from from our colleagues is the only way we're going to be able to serve them better, and, and you guys do a great job of that. Uh, last question is, uh, what are the um, health outcomes and cost savings that you are seeing with organizations that have a social determinants of health strategy?
1: I, I think the single biggest area that we see uh, real benefit in is uh, in pharmacy. So mm. pharmacy has become a, a massive component of Employers spend. And so it's also a massive opportunity for uh, not just great efficacy of treatment for people that work there, but also potential savings. And when we literally see people coming, as I think you said, with as their best self uh, because social determinants of health are addressed, then I think also connecting a dot with Chris's point, they actually interact with and consume their health insurance, which is very important, in the best way. Mm-hmm. They take the education that's provided. Uh, they leverage the resources that come along with a pharmacy benefit manager or a health insurance plan. They stick to their drug regimen, which keeps them out of the hospital and keeps them healthy and keeps them productive and keeps them working. And so we're that's probably the most tangible area uh, that we're seeing uh, from our benefit practice that uh, uh that's a that's a real win for employers and the people that work there.
2: I think an, another area where we see social workers being paid for uh, through the health plans mm-hmm. and employers joining together to hire a social worker to you know kind of connect resources, and then you get people getting treated in the with the right health provider at the right mm-hmm. time. Um, we're very inefficient um, as, as as consumers of healthcare generally, um, and so that if we can be you know more. Uh, it, it directed in the, in the, to get the right place at the right time. We're seeing that. I think the other thing um, with employers is, is really looking at outcome versus output. Um, you know, I think, you know, what is the outcome that you want to receive and being able to define that versus the output. And, and what made me think of that is, Mike, when you're talking about um, surveying, Surveying is a good way to figure out what is your outcome. Are you reaching your outcome? How many people? and there's some really great surveys to to, and again, it depends on your industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely social services. I would start with a survey that uh, looks at the social determinants of health for your employees and identifies where where are they struggling and how are you improving those metrics? Um, and you'll see that by more engaged employees, you'll see that by higher retentions. That's holy grail stuff.
1: Employee yep, engagement.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah. Great. Great. Well, that concludes our final round. Uh, thank you so much for the very engaging conversation and the wonderful insights that you have provided us. Uh, but I have one final question.
2: Ooh. You ready? Is that overtime what? How are you
0: <laughs> knocking out 2022? personally and professionally. And I want to start with Mike. I already called you the champ, (laughs) but I want to know how you're going to be the undisputed through your goals in 2022. I'm I'm
1: revisiting an old but tried and true habit. Um, And it's uh, each day working on some uh, planning and solitude time. Uh, I I found myself coming into 22 uh, rushing through the day. And it allows me for to have uh, spiritual time. It allows me to have uh, personal time, think about my family and think about our business and community. And uh, it doesn't necessarily mean it's an hour. It's 15 minutes, but it's a really powerful 15 minutes that I think helps me
0: to be an undisputed. There you go. <laughs> great, great. Thank you,
2: Chris. Oh wow, that's a hard one to beat. But what I'm actually looking at, I've, I hired a coach. Uh, I love having coaches, and uh, looking at instead of doing. You know, I love to fill my calendar and making sure that I'm hitting, and I'm very competitive. Uh, looking at being versus doing, and um, helping uh, the people, the team that I serve, and demonstrating uh, what it what it means to 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 lead versus. Um, to and, do. And so, yes. Yeah. And so it's really uh, been fun to then reflect on the day. Um, is something that's relatively new, but I love reflecting.
0: Oh, thank you so much! Again, you guys did outstanding job here imparting your wisdom and insights to our sector. We really appreciate your friendship, thank your you, partnership, Hector. and oh, all you do for this community. You are a wonderful uh, corporate sponsor, uh, corporate company. Thank you, oh, thank,
2: thank you, Hector. You. Thank you.
0: want to summarize some of the great insights we received from both Mike and Chris. You know, we talked a little bit about how COVID has impacted our workforce, specifically relating to individuals working from home. And it's new and it's different. And we need to redefine ourselves in order to accommodate this new normal. And one of the things they talked about was that we need to listen and understand the needs and the concerns of our colleagues and what do they want in this new time uh, of uncertainty. And he also talked about how we need to experiment. You know, he mentioned about robot, uh, ro- robotics. And he also mentioned about how maybe instead of hiring a full-time employee, you might want to hire two part-time employees to address that need uh, in ways that wasn't done uh, before. And you also talked about how leaders from the middle within organizations need to be more active in building culture and support their teams in vision and direction. And I shared how I felt that was a true sign of servant leadership and the servant leadership approach that involves others in the process to create um, something great uh, for their employees as well as for their organization. We talked about corporate responsibility, and and Mike said that it's a massive responsibility for him and for others uh, in this space. It's a great way to give back uh, time as well as as talent and 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 their contributions. And they also talked about how since we are working from home a lot uh, via Zoom uh, on the telephone that. Getting out into the community through volunteer opportunities provides us with an opportunity to develop team and get together uh, in ways that, you know, hasn't been happening so much over the last uh, couple of years. And again, you're going to hear, I heard this a lot from Mike and from Chris, that we need to listen. You know, what does the community need? What are the challenges the community is facing? And don't just come in with assumptions or with what you think uh, are the challenges of that specific organization. And we also talked about employee benefits and how it's so important to try to be flexible uh, for our colleagues. You know some might not want health care, others might not want a 401k contribution but they may need help for transportation. They may need help um, for food or childcare. Again, those social determinants of health that ultimately improve the health and well-being of the people we serve and our colleagues. And lastly, they uh, just gave some good insights that I want to share with you is about Mike wanted to spend more time in solitude to help his health and well-being. You know, he said maybe fifteen minutes just being present you know, thinking, reflecting, meditating. And Chris talked about having a coach. Uh, I love that. I think uh, we all could benefit from having a coach. A coach could help us. You know, we can talk to our, our coach about our different challenges. And it's just someone to, that can really support us and help bring out the best in us. So again, uh, Mike and Chris, thank you so much for your insights. Next month, I will get in the ring With Wisconsin gubernatorial candidates, Governor Tony Evers and his opponents, which will either be Rebecca Clayfish or Tim Michaels, the candidates candidates will share their health and human services platform and a vision for a healthier Wisconsin right here on this podcast in the ring with Hector Colón. Thank you again to our sponsor M3 for all you have done for us at LSS, for the broader community. We are so thankful to you. You can find out more about In the Ring with Hector Colomb Podcast, our guests, and our episodes, as well as M3 on our website, lsswis.org slash In the Ring. Let us know what you think about the show and what you want to see in future episodes. Like, follow, and share at LSSWIS on Facebook. LinkedIn, and Twitter, and please subscribe to our YouTube channel so you don't miss any of these important conversations in the future. All right. Thank you, Mike and Chris, and to all of our listeners. Until next time, con mucho cariño, with much affection. Bye.